Thank you for tuning in to Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson, brought to you by Surefire Local. For more advice, tips, and strategy on small business marketing, visit surefirelocal.com forward slash podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that is designed to help you reflect and think about your business. In many cases, I give you very concrete, actionable items, but also I share sort of insights and themes that you can go back and reflect upon. This particular series and this topic today I'm going to be getting into really, quite frankly, relates to all business. You know, it's been said that business is a game. It's the greatest game in the world. And I think like other sports, you can actually draw parallels from the different dialects of businesses throughout. Today, I'm going to be talking about sales. Sales exists in all businesses. Sales are the fuel that creates, I think, the opportunity for you to produce things and ultimately make some money. You know, oftentimes in sales, as a sales leader and sales trainer, I try to, you know, focus on the secret sauce, focus on what are the different techniques, strategies, and certainly methodologies you can do to be successful. Another way to flip around sales is what are the mistakes that people make? You know, I get certainly the opportunity to travel around the country dealing with the best of the best, and I really see, quite frankly, more mistakes happening today than ever when it comes to sales, salespeople, sales leadership. You know, today we're going to be talking about not so much what that future looks like in sales. We'll be talking about that more coming up, but we're going to talk about the common mistakes that I see. Now, when it comes to mistakes, I'm a big believer that if you want to be good, if you just go out there and try to avoid some of the mistakes, you're going to have what I would call a very good high-level performance. If you want to be great, you've got to not only be masterful, but these mistakes have got to be critical that you just don't make. The best of the best make very few mistakes. You know, I think one of the common, I think, metaphors that oftentimes I and others use when it comes to making mistakes is the metaphor baseball in sports. You know, if you really think about it, you know, one of the key metrics that we look at with baseball players is batting average. You know, the batting average of the baseball player, if you're hitting 200, meaning getting hit two hits out of 10, you're probably going to be benched or cut off the team. If you're hitting 300, hitting three hits out of 10, literally just one more out of 10, Uh, you're going to probably not only be a first stringer, but you might also make the all-star team. It's all about that one more hit out of 10. But if you flip it around the other direction, it's also about one less out, one less mistake. In the case of batting 200, you're making eight mistakes out of 10, eight outs out of 10. In the case of batting 300, you're still making seven mistakes or seven outs out of 10, and you're still batting 300. Now, I share that simple sort of analogy in that you're never going to avoid all the mistakes. I like to believe when it comes to some of the sales mistakes that I'm talking about today that you're probably going to avoid many, many of these. However, you're never going to avoid them all. It's all about reducing the number of mistakes, not eliminating mistakes. 
So I've come up with what I would consider sort of a top 10 list. If you talk to other sales leaders, sales trainers out there, they're going to certainly have a few others. But these top 10, you can use sort of as a checklist for yourself. I would encourage you, while you're not driving, to actually jot down these 10 and then see how you measure up as a salesperson or as a sales leader when it comes to these mistakes. Some of them, again, tend to be a little bit more philosophical, a little bit more themes, and some of them are very, very tactical. So the first mistake that I see with salespeople, and I test salespeople with this by asking simple questions, is they don't know their numbers. If you want to fundamentally be better at sales, one of the key elements is you got to know the numbers. Now, think about this from the metaphor of driving a car. Imagine, for example, if you drove a simple car and you didn't have some of the key dashboard elements in that car. You didn't have a speedometer. You didn't have a fuel gauge. You didn't have a temperature gauge. How would that make you feel? Would you, in fact, be driving too fast, too slow, because you really didn't have an understanding of that exact number of the speed? If you saw, for example, a police car up above, would you be more concerned and thinking, okay, am I going to get stopped because I really don't know? When it comes to sales, you've got to know some fundamental numbers. Now, I think sometimes salespeople get caught up too much in the metrics and numbers, but I do think the flip side is more the case, and that is that salespeople uh, flounder oftentimes because they don't know the numbers. So some of the key numbers, and you can pick and choose which ones you want, but some of the key numbers I think are critical to keep an eye on uh, as you're, you're thinking about sales, and that's important. One is what are your close rates? You know, the reality is there's going to be times where you have good leads and you have bad leads, but overall your close rates, I think, are one of the key indicators in terms of your overall health and effectiveness. You might have a run, just like a baseball player, of several hits over the course of, a, of 30 days, but that's not necessarily your overall close rate. It's not necessarily your overall trend. So one of the key indicators is close rate. Another one it's very important, I think, is your average ticket, your average sale. And if you look at these close rates and average sales over the periods of quarters, half years, and one year, I think you'll really find, I think, in terms of what you need to do to really tweak it and turn it up. Matter of fact, average ticket is oftentimes the way that companies, whether they're design, builder, full service, or specialty companies, really grow or shrink. If they really analyze it, it's tied into average ticket or average sales. Now, those sales organizations that really get geared into integrating sales and production together, they may be focused on the gross profit numbers as well. You know, the gross profit is a key indicator, I think, of your effectiveness. And you can look at the estimated gross profit versus the actual. And that tells you, I think, are you accurate enough? Are you paying enough attention to knowing those particular numbers? I think other numbers are really important when it comes to salespeople, and that is time. How many appointments per week are you doing? How many appointments per month? Of those different conversion rates, what is happening in the pipeline? So if you sort of think about sales as a pipeline, that's a very important way, I think, to measure and know where you need to adjust and improve. 
So the number one mistake I would say that I see with a lot of salespeople, again, it's not one of these things that's a make or break it, but oftentimes they don't know their numbers. The second is that they don't have or follow a sales process. I would say of the remodeling companies out there today that maybe about 20% of the companies out there have a sales process, a methodical sales process. And just like with different processes out there, which are many very good ones, whether they're from the roots of Phil Ray or whether from Sandler or if they're from my nine-step selling process, it doesn't matter necessarily which of the selling processes that you have, but the reality is having a selling process, a, me a methodology in sales is in fact important. And if you don't have that, that's a mistake. It's no different than sort of randomly going out there without a plan of attack in terms of how you're approaching something. You're going to find more times than not, maybe it's one, two, three out of ten, you're going to fail because you don't have or follow a sales process. Now, as I've said already, and you hear very carefully with my words, have or follow. Because another subset of this is follow the sales process. I oftentimes find veteran salespeople who the companies have a sales process, they just corrupt the sales process. They feel this situation was different. I want to do it my own way. I'm going to wing it. I want to be creative. And again, I think that that is a mistake. I'm not suggesting that anybody is robotic. Anybody is mechanical today in the selling process. But what I am suggesting is that if you have a sales process, at least look at it as a fundamental steps or roadmap in terms of how you're going to do it. And don't corrupt it. Don't miss fundamental steps. You might add some creativity, some dialogue, some different cadence within the different steps, but you're not going to fundamentally skip them. So number two mistake is not having or following a sales process. Number three mistake I see and again, I oftentimes see this with veteran salespeople, is they're not telling their story. You know, oftentimes with the technologies today and the, the internet today and the websites today, I think salespeople just assume that that homeowner knows who you are, knows your capabilities, knows your depth, knows your professionalism, knows your, your history, knows your credentials. But the reality is that homeowner, while yes, in fact, they have access to more information, it doesn't mean they know or they remember your story. It's so important. If you want people to buy from you, they've got to get to know you. So you have got to have, even if it's just a short element of a presentation tool, a presentation where you walk through your expertise in the industry, what the company story is, the depth of the team, what you care about, what your credentials are, and then a vast variety of what you're capable of doing in terms of cool projects and different kinds of things if you want to know it. You know, I've experienced this many, many times just by taking a group of salespeople and asking them some fundamental questions about the company, and the owner or the sales manager was shocked that their own salespeople didn't even know some of those things about the company's story. So number three on my list of mistakes is salespeople corrupt the process because they don't fundamentally weave in and tell the company's story. Number four mistake that I see in selling today is wasting time. Now, wasting time can come in a lot of different elements. Today, time is not on your side. 
you can't waste time if you're going to be effective in selling today. It all starts with working with the right client. Now, I did an earlier podcast focus on what are the 10 criteria of the right client. So I'd encourage you to go back and either read that through Professional Remodeler Magazine or certainly listen to one of the podcasts. But the first thing you have to do, I think, salespeople, is you have to know, is this client real or not? Are they worth additional poker chips in terms of investing time and energy into? You know, I think at the end of the day, not wasting time is super critical. And being a time master or time management expert is important. So if you focus on that element, I think you'll be successful. The number five mistake that I see out there is not being different. You know, people today buy different. If you look at, for example, different kind of products and services that people are buying today, they're buying different, not the same. You know, why, for example, do you go or is there a great restaurant that's especially busy? Yes, of course, it's about a good client experience and good food, but it's also about being different. You know, recently I went through a Tesla buying process and one of the fundamental reasons that Tesla is so successful as an automobile manufacturer is they are different. Yes, of course, they have a good quality product and a great client experience, but also they are different in terms of how they're buying process and who they are. So if you can focus on really articulating how are you different, how is the company different, how can you be different in the remodeling selling process, you're going to be more successful. Another mistake I see out there with remodeling salespeople especially is sort of, we've all heard this adage, don't judge the book by its cover. You know, one of the mistakes, I think, is we tend to overqualify. We tend to judge a book by its cover. The best of the best salespeople, yes, they want filters, they want discriminating elements in place, but they also realize that their core function in terms of what they're doing is getting out there and helping people. They understand, for example, between a PR visit versus a closing visit in terms of a sales call. And the reality is, as a salesperson, if you go out there and you always have the fundamental belief that you're there to help that individual in terms of their remodeling experience, you're always going to be the winner. Now, in hopefully more cases than not, you'll get on base and get the sale. But don't overly qualify. Don't judge the book by its cover. Because I think when you tend to be in, uh, focusing on, is this client right for you, rather than how I can help this client, you're going to lose out, maybe on one or two of those potential sales out of 10, and it's going to, again, be the difference between batting 200 and batting 300. Number seven on my mistakes list is selling product versus selling process. You know, remodeling is all about the experience. It's all about, you know, how the client is buying, not just what they're buying. You know, when a client is asking questions, for example, are you giving them the answers to that question or are you leading those clients to the next step or the, the, the date, so to speak, in the selling process? 
Now, with different selling disciplines, i.e. specialty-type companies of selling uh, window siding, roofing, uh, bath refacing, those kind of things, certainly selling product is really important. However, I think selling the process of how they're buying and making it really super easy for the client to make the decision while they're buying is critical. The flip side of that, on larger-scale projects, kitchen, remodel, addition, full-service design, build-type remodeling, it's super critical that you're focused just on moving the client to that next step in the process, not necessarily selling the project. You know, the reality is today people want to discuss it. It's not a just do it time that we were in in the go-go times of 2004-2005. They want the patience. They want the right sort of way to discuss the project along the way. So you have to focus on that. You know, that relates to number eight on my mistakes, and that is having the right cadence in the selling process today that's super important. As I work with different sales organizations and sales leader and even coaching individual salespeople, one of the things I try to oftentimes drill into is how much time are you spending initially in terms of over the phone with a prospective client, in that in-home visit with a client, when they come into the office, whatever those steps are in the process. And by quantifying the amount of time that each one of those are taking can be very, very telling in terms of the process. For example, I oftentimes ask for those uh, remodeling sales folks that have a step in the process that involves uh, talking to the client over the phone, how long is that conversation? On average, how long is that conversation? And oftentimes they'll say, oh, it's five to seven minutes. Well, can you really build a relationship and rapport in five to seven minutes? Can you really drill into the pain points of the client in five to seven minutes? Can you really control the process in five to seven minutes? The answer is no, you can't. You need to keep the client on the phone and get the right level of commitment from all the parties involved. And oftentimes that will take 20, 25 minutes depending on the scale of the project. So having the right cadence. Similarly, when you get into the home, having the right length of the appointment is really critical. I think people uh, are more sensitive to the amount of time that people take, and I think salespeople sometimes go overboard shortening the in-home visit time, not necessarily making it the right length of time that it should be. I'm not here to judge necessarily should your in-home visit be one hour, two hours, or three hours. What I am here to say is time matters. Having the right cadence, having the right time in the sale matters whether the client proceeds or not proceeds. So one of the mistakes, I think, is oftentimes speeding that up too much. The reverse side is sometimes slowing it down too long. You know, I actually had an in-home salesperson come into my own home years ago, and I asked him after about two hours, look, if you can't come to the close here fairly quickly, I'm going to ask you to leave. And he kept extending and extending. And after two hours and 45 minutes, that's exactly what I did. I asked him to leave, and I didn't actually proceed with a product and service I would have been happy to do. So finding the right balance, practicing, but also on a very simple practical level. Look at the clock. Look at your watch in terms of when you go in. How long are those appointments, are those calls, are the sales processes actually happening? 
Number nine <clears throat> is a classic, again, sort of quote that I heard many years ago that I tend to train with that's so important, I think, today more than ever. And that is, today, people buy emotionally, but they rationalize their decision logically. Now, if you really sort of put that quote under the pillow or reflect on it, today, people buy emotionally but rationalize their decision logically. It's so important. So what does it say? Number one, it says today. Today's different than yesterday. Today may be different than tomorrow. Two is people buy emotionally. That means you've got to have the connection, you have to have the relationship, you have to make it happen from a people point of view first and foremost. Three is, however, they buy logically. So what that means is, in the go-go times of 2004-2005, where people were just all excited, they were following their fantasies, today you have to weave into your selling process all the logic of why to buy. The fact that their home's appreciating, the interest rates, price increases that are going up, availability of labor in your crews, the, the uh, uh, ma amount of urgency that you create in the process, all these logical, logical elements. If they ever sell their house, what would the perception be? What's the return on investment? These are all logical, rational elements that will exist that will exist after you leave the home, after they're reflecting on it. So regardless whether you get the sale or you don't get the sale, it's critical that you focus on the logic and peppering that into the, into the sales process. So that's a mistake. There's a lot of hype and there's not enough logic to balance it. <clears throat> Number 10, I think, mistake I see in, the in sales today is, you know, people have become strangers with their past clients. Strangers with their past clients. So what do I mean by that? I think, and those that are listening to this podcast know exactly what I mean. You know, you do a project for a client, and at the end of the project, you say, oh, we'll get together, I'll bring by something, six months later goes by, 12 months later, you just don't keep in touch. The lifetime value of your client is huge. You know, a friend of mine actually quantified this, and he saw over the three to five year uh, period of time, when you looked at almost a family tree of the lifetime value of a client in terms of referrals, referrals that created referrals, additional projects that happened, people in the neighborhood that did project, that the, the value of a client could be as much as 10 times, 10 times the initial contract amount. If you sort of think about that, if I can get a 10-time return by making sure that I don't become a stranger with that past client, it's so critical. You know, you do a project for a client and you think that you will have a client for life. Wrong. And if you've done one project for that client, it's a transaction in their mind. Matter of fact, shockingly, and I certainly realized this many years ago, they oftentimes don't even know all the different products and services that you do. If you go out and do a kitchen, for example, for the client, they think you're a kitchen remodel. They don't necessarily think that you do windows. They don't think you do siding. They don't think you do basements. You're a kitchen remodel. So the next time around, they may be calling or talking to someone else they think is more expert in that area. No different, for example, than would be with a doctor that you might call upon. 
So as you think about this subject, it's very important that you invest and start to make appointments to yourself to keep in touch with the past client. The difference between good and great, oftentimes in remodeling sales, and I would say sales in general, is in fact those who have some long-standing relationships with the client, keep in touch, they make it a habit, a success habit. It's not a happenstance, it's not when the client calls you, it's, it's really an integral part of your success. So again, not keeping in touch with your past client is a mistake. So in summary, I think the reality is, going back to the beginning of this podcast, and I know this is a little bit long-winded, and hopefully you've got it as a little bit of a checklist here. If you can just focus on not making mistakes, if you can focus on these 10 things that I've just talked about and just say, how do I improve upon each one of these 10 things, then I'm going to see a lot more success. I'm hoping that many of you consider coming out to Professional Remodelers Extreme Sales Summit in Philadelphia, the middle of September, where we've got a lot of folks coming and speaking on the demographics of the clients out there, what the future of sales looks like in terms of other related industries. We've got the future salespeople of the future. You know, we've also got, you know, some of the technologies and how they'll weave into the selling process and how online selling is going to dramatically change things. But I'll also be speaking there on a subject that I think is really sort of a little bit of a reality. It's looking to the past, but also looking to the future. And it's finding that balance between high-tech selling and high-touch selling. Because at the end of the day, it's all about that balance. It's all about finding that place that you can sort of go to bed at night and feel good about things, but also using the latest technologies and efficiencies and the effectiveness. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast, and I hope you just don't step into potholes or stub your toes, because the reality is this is all about how we can all be successful and take good care and make raving fans of our clients. Take care, everyone. Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson was created to help business owners like you grow your business. Learn something new today? Let us know by tweeting at Surefire Local. For more podcasts, visit surefirelocal.com forward slash podcast.